0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast. This episode of the Bear's Talk Underground is brought to you by TakeLine. Sports, culture, takes. TakeLine has it all. TakeLine is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. <coughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is also brought to you by the Locker Room app. Guys, it is an exciting brand new app that I just, I'm just I very privileged to be a part of. I have a live show on at Club 34-7. Bears Talk Underground presents... Club Thirty Four Seven every Wednesday night at seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern, and the app itself, Locker Room, is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Uh, you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, uh, and so so much more. You know, and, and the live, uh, the, the 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 app is there so you can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Guys, this is something I plan on using uh, during the season. You know, to, to maybe do some watch parties. Maybe we'll try it out during the during the preseason. Uh, have some watch alongs. Have some, you guys come in and talk to me uh, while we're watching the games and all that kind of stuff. We can talk with other fans, insiders. Uh, you know, join in on the conversation with me. All you need to do to get on the get in on the fun is download the locker room app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join in uh, on the fun. Uh, you know, follow me, and you can be notified when my room goes live, and it will be going live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's the Locker Room app. It's Club 34-7 on the Locker Room app every Wednesday at 8. Be sure and, and join in on the fun. You don't want to miss it. What's up, guys? Here we are once again, this time for our full-on draft review on our good friend Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com. Writes a lot of great stuff uh, very responsive online. If you want to reach out to him, As always doing Q and A's uh, on Twitter and everything. Just a uh, a great resource and uh, you know a fun guest to have on the show. We talk a lot about draft night. Uh, we dip a little bit into kind of a free agency review uh, as well and some of the off season moves because I never got around to uh, to doing a full blown uh, free agency well preview or review for that matter. So my apologies, theirs. Uh guys, but we kind of cover uh some of the signings that the Bears have made. Uh, after we start, uh, you know, going over the draft picks and and just what a roller coaster this off season has been, not only for us as fans, but for the organization uh, as well, especially in the eyes uh, of the fans. I mean, you hear me and Eric talk about it right away at the beginning, where it's like it, the offseason begins with that disastrous end of the season press conference in January. Then all of the rumors about the different quarterbacks the Bears are attached to and rumored to be interested in, and the Russell Wilson thing, Andy Dalton, and then of course We talk about draft night and Justin Fields and the Tevin Jenkins trade. And he also gives me some context on the guys that we got in the later rounds, the the fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks that the Bears uh, got. And then the great value that we got there. We talk a little bit about our undrafted free agency class. And then we cover um, just our free agents uh, as well, the comings and goings. Uh, of the various free agents that signed and left our beloved Chicago Bears. So we cover a lot, uh, we talk about a lot, and uh, it was a great time uh, having him Uh, on the show so without further ado I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com to help us review the draft talk about the offseason in general and uh, just where we are now as a fan base and as an organization with our beloved Chicago Bears here on the Bears Talk Underground so let's get to it So one more uh, episode to talk about our our NFL draft, and then we'll close the book on that and move forward uh, into this vast wasteland between the draft and uh, training camp. So we got to milk it for all we can before we have to start creating our own content between now uh, and then. And, and back here on the show once again to help us out, our good friend from Sports Mockery, Eric Lambert. Eric, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me back. So I don't know if you heard, uh, but last Thursday, the Bears drafted this kid. Let me see if I'm pronouncing this right. Justin Fields is uh, apparently he's a quarterback from Ohio State. And uh, uh, according to Twitter, and you know how awesome people are online, um, they're pretty excited about Justin Fields being a Chicago Bear.
1: Yeah, I might have heard a few things about that. Uh, I don't know if it's that big a
0: deal, but you know,
1: apparently Bears fans are kind of eating it up.
0: So yeah. you know, maybe I'll have to dig into that a little bit. Maybe. I mean, you you know, you're the one cranking out all the all the uh, all the content on <laughs> on sports mockery. You might want to look into it. So yeah, but, just a little bit. Yeah, but we were talking briefly here before we got recording uh, about um, you know, I mean, let's think about where Pace and Nagy were, or just the organization in general after that disaster of an end-of-the-year uh, press conference in January. I mean, they handled that about as poorly as they possibly could have uh, to, to 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 justify bringing Pace and Nagy back. I mean, nothing that was said in that interview was either, A, what Bear fans wanted to hear, or B, how they should have handled it. I mean, it really could not have gone uh, any worse. And then think about where the organization is now, here just three-and-a-half to four months later – after the draft, after Justin Fields, after the Tevin Jenkins trade, it's night and day from, from where we were in January to where we are today.
1: Oh, it's 100% true. I mean, George McCaskey, you know, I believe he deliberated on it. He really did consider the possibility of maybe just starting fresh new GM, new head coach, just clean slate. Let's start this over and see if we can get somebody to push this team over the top. But, I do think he likes Ryan Pace. He likes Matt Nagy. He believes they have a a good vision for what the bears are and where they need to go. And so he wanted to keep them. That's fine. You know, he's the owner. I get that, but the way he handled it in terms of the press conference, he was clearly unprepared. And so was Ted Phillips. You know, they weren't ready for the backlash. They weren't ready for any of it. And it showed in their answers and it showed in their preparation. And you know, a lot of people were rightfully upset about it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was his decision, so Bears fans were going to have to live with it and just pray that Pace and Nagy knew what they were doing. And so we saw the off season unfold. There weren't a lot of, you know, big, notable moves, you know, for the first couple of months, and it's just like, okay, is this going to be it? Are they just going to try and, you know, run it back one more time with they, with the roster they have and just see if they can – push through one more winning season, but it always felt like they were aiming for a big swing somewhere. It was just a question of when and where. And, well, we saw where that ended up being.
0: Right. And that was the thing that had me terrified. especially with with pay whereas whereas it concerns pace and and Nagy, was that you know it it was kind of it wasn't so much said but more implied that you know they were going to get one more chance at this and it just like the mere desperation alone as to trying to do something whether it be you know make a move that could get them to wins to save their jobs or just to take a swing and, and go all in on a quarterback where they might be able to save their job, regardless of the wins and losses uh, this coming season. And I wasn't so much concerned with who the Bears or, you know, I, I would like the, all the talk. I mean, and Eric, you know, because you, you did the the groundwork and the Bears were attached to a different quarterback every week of the offseason for like the first 10 weeks. It right. was Matt Stafford. It was. I mean, I mean. Think there was even a brief fl- flirtation with Roethlisberger when it sounded like he might not come back uh, to to Pittsburgh. Obviously, there was Russell Wilson, the Deshaun Watson uh, talks, and and, and uh, Derek Carr, and all that stuff. I mean, it was just one after another. There was the Gardner Minshew thing. I think you were behind that there for a while. Or I saw that you know you're talking about that on uh, on Twitter and, and and everything. It was just somebody different. And what had me worried, whether it was Watson or Wilson or trying to get up into the top five to get to get fields or 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 Zach Wilson and, uh, you know, and things like that. It wasn't so much about the move itself as it was the price about it. And for me, that was what terrified me more than anything was that because of their desperation, a. Every team in the NFL is going to smell blood and ask for more than it's worth, and B. Pace and Nagy were going to be silly enough to pay it. And right. you know, it was like I just didn't, didn't really see that as I, I just didn't want to see that happen. You know, especially if we had gone all in on Deshaun Watson and uh, the next three or four years, listening to Bears Twitter and the rest of the world complain about how he's got no weapons. Like, well, he's got no weapons because we traded away the assets that would have given him those weapons and things, because obviously, right. you know, Allen Robinson is going to be gone uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, Darnell Mooney's going to be a more one receiver. I love the kid, but I don't think so. So it's just uh that's something that really terrified me. And then we go to draft day, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this thing unfold, and the Bears aren't making any moves. As a matter of fact, there wasn't a trade until number 10, right before the Bears ended up making their – their move so everybody pretty is, crazy yeah everybody is making their picks and we we got into the range we got you know detroit was really one of the first teams i mean actually atlanta was but they were always probably going to go with kyle pitts instead of taking a a quarterback to replace matt yeah. ryan with and burrow is at you know in in cincinnati at five you got two they're going all in with him at least for this year at six then we get to detroit there was some rumblings despite jared Goff, maybe they take a quarterback they take Penny Sewell, the best offensive tackle on the board. Then you get mm-hmm. into to, to Denver and Carolina, both of which have been rumored all offseason to be in for a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. Drew Locke isn't enough. And ironically, both trade for the 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 leavings of somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. Bridgewater goes to Denver and then Sam Darnold is is gone in the Jets leaving them open to take their quarterback at number two. They both take corners. And then here we are at 10. There's Dallas. They just gave Prescott $40 million. They're not taking a quarterback, and they trade back. Philadelphia, they stick with Jalen Hurts and take Devontae Smith uh, at number 10. And then it's it's funny because I was watching it, and the Giants are on the board or on the clock at 11. And one of the networks went to commercials, so I changed to another one just in time to see <laughs> the Giants trade with, and then the graphic goes across the board. To the Bears. And, Eric, the noise uh-huh. that came out of me when I saw that graphic. <laughs> like, oh, oh, God. Oh, they did it. Oh, my God. Uh, and it was just like there were two concerns. Number one, what did we pay? Number two, please not Mac Jones. Uh-huh. And uh, we picked Justin Fields. Okay, great. Um, best quarterback on the board, not named Trevor Lawrence. <gasps> You know, he was the guy I pretty much wanted all along if we were going to take a quarterback. Then it was, mm-hmm. what did it cost? What did it cost us? And then the price came on the board. A five this year, a one and a four next year. And my answer was, is that it? Is that, yeah. it? Is that it? It's like, uh-huh. Jesus Christ, did Pace pull this off? Are you kidding me? A one next year and a four. I was like, okay, all right. It was like all of my fears kind of went away that he didn't give up three ones and two twos and uh, and all the rest of that stuff. And we kept our day two picks intact. We had our two and our three uh, on Friday night. I was like, this is a victory. This yes. is huge. We got Justin Fields. We only gave up a one and a four next year and a five. It's like, this is this is amazing. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm euphoric over this this pick, this thing that I had been fearing, this butt-clenching feeling that I've had for the last four months since the season ended, just goes away when I see on the board Justin Fields in return for these picks. Gettleman didn't fleece us, man. It was awesome.
1: I felt it was a very fair trade, yeah, you know, going absolutely. going for – Going from 20 to 11, you know, you get your future first, you get a couple of mid-rounders. I think that's pretty fair to drop, you know, nine slots. They still end up with a receiver like they wanted. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the reason Philly moved ahead of them was to get Devontae Smith and, you know, Gettleman needed to make a decision. Do I just stay here and pick somebody that, you know, we could probably get at number 20 or a little bit later? Or, you know, do we move back and get ourselves some extra currency? And he chose the latter, which is kind of interesting because he's never done it in his career before. But, But the fact that he and Pace are actually friends and have known each other for a long time played into that deal. Pace said as much after the draft. So I think that actually worked out in his favor that Fields somehow managed to slip to number 11 because it enabled him to, you know, work that deal with Gettleman. And to only give up a future one and a couple of mid-rounders, if Fields turns into what he's supposed to be as a professional quarterback, that's going to be viewed as chump change down the line that they gave up.
0: Pennies on the dollar if if Fields turns out to be everything we think he can be.
1: Exactly. So, I sure. mean, and the the moment for me that I realized he was going to be in a position to get to the Bears was when Denver passed on him. Yeah. I was shocked yeah. that they passed on him because I understand they still have some confidence in Drew Locke. I know they traded for Bridgewater, but man, when you look at Justin Fields compared to those two, the talent, you know, I think it it was just so much to pass up and you've got a new GM on top of that. You'd think he'd want his own quarterback, so all of those factors play into it, and I'm just like, there's no way they can pass on a quarterback. And then they took the corner. I'm like, oh, my God, he's he's falling out of the top ten. How yeah. is this possible? Yeah. And then the Bears obviously moved up, and I'm like, wow, so many things needed to happen in order for him to get into this position, and the Bears took advantage of it and didn't have to pay through the nose to do it.
0: Yeah, it, it was amazing. I mean, and I only had one thought when I saw the price tag for Ryan Pace. You know, (laughs) that's, that's all it was. Uh I got a roadcaster pro. This is my new toy. So I'm just playing with it. I apologize, but, um, you know, but it's just like, you know, I saw the trade and it was just like, all of a sudden I was over the moon about Justin Fields. I mean, I was happy that we got him, you know, but then when I saw the price tag, I was like, and then like, like we just said a moment ago, dude, this is pennies on the dollar. If, if we hit on fields, Mm -hmm. and I know that we could say the same thing if the bears did trade, two two ones and two twos and you know all that kind of stuff that that saying could be true later but the fact right. that we're still going to have a second and a third rounder next year uh you know and on the the those all all important fifth round picks that pace always seems to hit on uh and sure. everything we got it all for 2022 so you know we'll be good and and maybe somewhere we'll get a compensatory pick in the fourth round we can make up what we lost uh you know in the trade and uh, and things like that you never know but um you know, when when I saw the the trade, it was like the one thing that I feared the most throughout this entire offseason. And then it's like when I saw the price tag and I saw the player that we got, like for the first time in four months, I felt like I could relax. I mm-hmm. felt like I could relax as far as like the Bears and their future. We did not mortgage the future in order to make this trade happen. Uh, you know, and a lot of Bear fans, and I'm sure you're one of them. Is like, well, we don't necessarily murder with first round picks, so right. let yeah. somebody else have it. I guess I don't care if we get Justin Fields. That's a that's fair trade uh, value there. And and I I think I read a column of yours where you were talking about pace on the phone with um, the GM. Is it Patton for Denver? Yeah, Peyton. Yeah, Peyton. Okay, and how he wanted. A one, a two, and a three, and like next year's one on top of it, or something like yeah. that, to move up to nine. And mm-hmm. it was like, God bless him for saying no to that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, pace. Y- y- has had a history of being a little overzealous at the quarterback position. We've seen this. I mean, he paid $45 million for Mike Glennon, a career backup. And then a month later, he trades two third round picks and a fourth round pick to go from number three to number two for a quarterback. He probably could have had at number three in Trubisky. And then, you know, he gives up a fourth round pick and pays 21 million guaranteed to get Nick Foles last year. So his, Track record, a quarterback speaks to somebody who can't be patient and let things come to him in given situations. And the yeah. fact that he probably could have had fields at number nine, but didn't like the price. And so he said, OK, I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble here and say no and dare them to take him. And they didn't. Right. And so that was a, a correct assessment on his part. He moved down a couple of spots and got them for way cheaper than the initial asking price was just two picks earlier. Yeah. So that was a very, very smart decision on his part, and I applaud him for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, when I read that, and then I saw the video online. I saw right. the actual uh, the video itself of him, um, Ryan, it's going to be a one, a two, and a three, and next year's one, you know, to make the trade. And then he ends up hanging up on Pace, be like, "I'm I got another call for somebody who's going to give me more." And then he hangs uh-huh. up uh, on Ryan Pace. It's like that's cute. When we look back on wow. this, we're going to see <laughs> if that that arrogance of yours paid off, and yeah. uh, you know if uh, the Patrick Sertan is the best corner in in football, and Justin Fields is still watching from the sidelines. I doubt that's how it's going to turn out. There, mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a shrewd uh, shrewd choice on his part, and, and maybe. You know, like, he, like basically the questions he's refused to answer throughout this entire offseason, like what what processes, what is he doing different that he did wrong in 2017, he was always very sheepish about that. He wouldn't just flat-out answer that question and what is he doing now that he didn't do that. Dan, basically, what did you learn about picking the wrong guy four years ago uh, and things like that? And this would be one of those things where he's kind of learned his lesson on being so overzealous and being so over aggressive and going to get his guy. And just two picks later, he's, you know, paying a much lower price, much more fair market price and still getting the guy uh, that he wanted. I hope it's something that serves him for the rest of his tenure as our general manager.
1: Well, it just speaks to what George McCaskey said. They felt that he was learning and he was improving as a GM. You know, people forget he was the youngest GM by a considerable margin when he was hired in 2015. So, yeah. you know, there were probably going to be some growing pains. And unfortunately, we saw that in 2017, and they paid a big price for it. But if you look at his drafting over the past couple of years, since 2018, he's improved you know, considerably in terms of his consistency at finding, you know, value at every level of the draft, first round through the seventh round. So that was encouraging enough to believe, okay, maybe he can get it right this time. And I think having Matt Nagy around this time was a big, big help to him in terms of evaluating the quarterback position, knowing what to look for, knowing how to approach it in the draft, not getting a little too crazy with what you're willing to give up to get him. Just, finding a way to find the right balance in terms of mental mental acuity, physical potential, all that stuff, and it came together beautifully.
0: Not to mention he and his head coach were on the same page about getting a quarterback this time. You know, there's that famous story about John Fox not finding out we were taking Trubisky. Until the day of the draft, that's uh, not exactly setting yourself up for success when your head coach is is all about taking Jamal Adams, who I wanted the Bears to draft in 2017, and uh, he finds out. Oh no! Not only are we taking the quarterback, we're giving up draft assets in order to move up one spot to make sure we get our guy. And yeah. uh, I mean, it um, unfortunately is as, as great a person and and a, as good a football player as Mitch can be. It just it could not have been a bigger disaster with the way his tenure ended in Chicago. It was
1: unfortunate. I mean, he's a good kid. He put in the work. It's not like he did anything wrong in terms of his preparation. It's just some guy's don't grasp the position at the NFL level. It's hard. It's really, really difficult to play quarterback in the NFL at a high level. And he learned that, you know, he's got the physical ability. It was never a physical issue with him. It was always, you know, the mental side of the game. It was too fast for him at times. And it showed. And, that's not his fault. It's just the way it is for some guys who are drafted that high. So, you know, it just didn't work out. And, you know, there have been way bigger busts in terms of quarterbacks drafted yes. that early. Yeah. And, you know, I think the Bears got a, got about as much as they could out of them from, you know, that perspective. I think they made the playoffs twice with him. And, you know, considering some of their previous first-round picks at quarterback, I'd call that an accomplishment. <laughs>
0: You know, and and I would agree with you. And and I hope that, uh, you know, things work out for him and Mm -hmm. they work out to a point where he never has to do it against us. That would be nice to have him rub that in our face. Uh, That would be nice. But, um, you know, it, it just, it's, there's Justin Fields has so much of a better setup than Mitch did. Number one, in college alone, his resume is 10 times what it was for Mitch. Uh, yeah. We're talking about a quarterback who went twenty and two, who played you know Big Ten, uh, the, the you know Big Ten, which is a you know better conference than the ACC. Let's be honest, and mm-hmm. um, you know played in those big day in those big games, whether it's just you know the game between the 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 Buckeyes and and the and the Wolverines, Michigan and Ohio State, the the national championship. Uh, tournament uh, you know both seasons played in the national championship game last year beat the quote-unquote best quarterback in college football beat the doors off of him last year to be honest with you. and uh you know he's got the pedigree he's and he's been under this kind of pressure back in high school because Justin Fields first came on my radar as a subject of a Netflix documentary called QB1 uh, under the lights he got followed around by a camera crew for his entire senior year so i mean he's been a big deal for a long time so he's used to this as opposed to poor mitch who just kind of came on everybody's radar as a senior and then got thrust into chicago uh you know which is hell on earth if you're not playing well uh you know whether it be with the fan base or or with the with the media uh in general you know and it's just uh i don't think he was built for it to be honest with you to to face what he had to face in chicago he would have been better off going somewhere like like a Jacksonville or a small market team that wouldn't lean on him the way that the Chicago fan base and the media did.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, from where he was coming from, from Ohio, coming from North Carolina, predominantly basketball school, only starting one year there, a lot of people felt he probably should have stayed just to, you know, get that extra seasoning, get be under the spotlight a little bit longer. And, you know, to get picked by a place by Chicago, which it can be very tough on you if you're not mentally prepared for it. And unfortunately, you know, he put in the work, as I said. But, you know, it was clear the pressure really started to build on him around the start of 2019 after that rough game against Green Bay in the opener. Yeah. It, it really felt like he was starting to crumble after that and he just couldn't re- regain his confidence the rest of the way and it's really unfortunate because you know I felt he was really playing with that confidence towards the end of 2018 you know he was making executed well throws and then you know the the parky thing happened i think that you know demoralized him a little bit and then the green bay game happened and everything just started to spiral after that yeah yeah it
0: kind of looked like he lost his mojo after that after that green bay Uh, Mm -hmm. game. He was never really the same. And then I think he lost it completely when he got hurt again against Minnesota a few weeks later. And, uh, you know, and then especially with the way the offense was struggling and then uh, Chase Daniel comes in off the bench and leads us to a touchdown immediately after he Mm -hmm. gets taken out of the game. So, yeah, I'm sure it had some kind of uh, effect on him. 2019 was a bad year uh, all around. Yeah, it Uh, it was kind of rough. Yeah, it was rough. So, so let's talk about the rest of our our draft. There's be plenty of time to uh, the for the love fest with Justin Fields between now and actually seeing him take the field. Uh, I'm actually excited about the preseason for the first time in a long time because um, uh, if things go well, uh, it might be the the we might we might be the only time we get to see Fields play for a majority of 2021. Knock on wood. Uh, you right. know, cause we brought Andy Dalton in and the other thing that we didn't do back in 2017 was clue Andy Dalton in as to what our intentions were. Uh, you know, Matt yeah. Nagy said in the presser, he talked to Andy Dalton twice, once before the draft and again, after selecting fields to reemphasize to him, you're going to be our quarterback this year. You're going to be the starter day one, uh, in training camp and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, this was for, for the future which is, you know, for somebody on a one-year deal, he probably saw that coming. But uh, I mean, the, the Bears paid him the respect and they did him the courtesy to let him know what they were doing, as opposed to leaving Mike Glenning twisting in the wind uh, the way that they did back in 2017. I mean, it it was almost like whatever whatever mojo he had back in 2017 was taken away from him immediately on draft day in 2017.
1: Sure. Oh yeah, I mean. That speaks to Paces' inexperience with how to ha- how to handle those types of situations. I mean, he was so desperate to keep things quiet that he kept John Fox out of the loop. He kept most of the you know the scouts out of the loop, all that stuff, and then he kept Mike Glennon out of the loop because he didn't want any leaks. And unfortunately, that came back to bite him yeah. when Glennon found out on draft day when they actually made the pick. So, you know, I think that lesson. Was hard learned, and they sort of applied it to what happened this time around. He made sure he didn't sign Dalton to like a multi year deal as they did with Glennon, which was three years back then. It was just a one year, $10 million deal. They said, Yes, you'll be the starter, but we're leaving our options open if something breaks in the draft. And they made that very clear to him. I think the contract itself was pretty clear that, okay, they're giving me a one year deal, they're giving me a nice payday, but. I'm not their future, at least not right now, until they have a good idea of what they might be able to do in the draft. And then Fields happens. And he's not dumb. Dalton's yeah. not stupid. So he probably saw something like this being a possibility. So I, I doubt he was caught by surprise. And it's just a question of, okay, it's still my opportunity to start. I got to run with it and you know not blow it like Glennon did because – even though they did draft Trubisky, they still gave him a chance to start and he was horrible in four games. So it's like, Okay, we gave you an opportunity, but you know, you're not exactly giving us a chance to, you know, convince everybody that we should keep you in, so we're gonna have to go with our young guy, yeah. which they did.
0: I mean, I look like the biggest jackass during the twenty seventeen season. I was so heavily against Trubisky getting played, especially with the roster we had in twenty seventeen. I was like, do not mm-hmm. put him out there. We will ruin and break this kid let glennon who came from tampa bay tampa bay sucked he's the one he's been through a season where he's been three and 12 and taking all the beatings and all that kind of stuff he's conditioned for this let him do it leave trubisky alone we all know that we're getting a new coach next year so let the next coach be let the trubisky be the next coach's problem as opposed to throwing him out there with john fox and the god awful Dole Loggins, and was like that was the last thing I wanted. But after that Week Four game on Thursday night with Green Bay, I said, mm-hmm. oh Jesus, to hell with it! Put him out there. It can't be right. any worse than this, you know. It can't <laughs> be any worse than that. So, yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to, you know, tuck my tail between my legs and give up on that one. I just couldn't fight it anymore after that sure. Green Bay game. So, anyway, we move on to night number two, and. We as Bear fans are floating on cloud nine with, uh, with what we were able to pull off and the price that we paid with night one, and then we came away with our quarterback of the future. And the draft starts, and we're sitting at 52. And the thing about it was there was still a lot of first-round talent on the board going into that second round, including mm-hmm. a lot of the offensive tackles. Um, yeah. And if if the Bears had stayed at 20, my guy all along was Tevin Jenkins. After I saw yeah. uh, Brett Coleman on YouTube, his film room video of Tevin Jenkins, I was like, please go get me that guy. Please go yeah. get me that guy at 20. He was there at 20. If we had stayed at 20, we could have had him there. And I'm watching the board fall and this pick goes, that one, you know, we we got the, you know, the Elijah Moore comes off the board. The wide receiver is like, oh, well, I guess we won't get him or he won't fall to us and uh, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden there it happens again. The Bears, the Carolina trades with the Bears. It's like, whoa, OK, this has got to be a tackle. It has to be a sure. tackle and sure enough not only was it a tackle Eric it was my it was tackle it was my yeah. tackle Tevin Jenkins at 39 and I'm dancing around my living room like an idiot I could not believe it <laughs> not only did Pace not pay through the nose and go get the quarterback that I want that I loved over over everyone else he went and got me the tackle too so he went and did this he did this for me and you're all welcome I mean cuz this just <laughs> it, this was a dream come true only thing I didn't like was giving up that third round pick but he kept all of the compensation for the trade in 2021. So it's not going to affect us next year. So again, he had to pay a price to move up 13 spots from 52 to 39, but he kept all the damage in 2021. So we're not paying it forward next year.
1: Correct. And you know, I was shocked that Tevin Jenkins fell. I mean, I was expecting him to go in the bottom half of the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a ready-made guy. He started a lot. He dominated as a run blocker and his pass protection. It got nick. It got nitpicked a lot. You know, a little, a, a little bit much at times, in my opinion. I think sure. he's a much better athlete than people realize. It's just his power run blocking stuck out so much that people just assumed that was the essence of his game, that pass protection isn't really his thing. But, it, you know, he's way better at it than you think. Yeah. So when the Bears said they had a first-round grade on him, I believed it because, you know, he's a good player. And the fact that they said, we think he can play left tackle because, you know, the, the original plan at Oklahoma State was for him to play left tackle – in 2020. Mm -hmm. I mean, he started the first game at left tackle, but because the right tackle got hurt, his replacement was used to playing on the left side. So what they did was they just moved Jenkins back to the right side where he'd already been playing and used that kid on the left side. And that was pretty much the combination they went with the rest of the year. So Mm -hmm. the plan originally was for him to play left tackle. And I think if he had played the entire year at left tackle and probably played well, he would have gone in the first round. Mm -hmm. So that may have actually been about blessing in disguise for the bears that he ended up going back to right tackle and teams just sort of catch it in their heads. Okay. This kid's just a right tackle and we're going to keep him there. And the bears are like, why he's good enough to be a left tackle. So, when he kept falling and finally got to 39 they're like okay we can't wait any longer this kid's too good to you know risk him falling to somebody ahead of us so we're going to go up and get him which they did so you have to think about this if the bears happen to find their franchise quarterback and their franchise left tackle in the same draft 1 2 in the first and second rounds that's unheard of yeah so yeah. If these two end up being good, this may be looked at as one of the best drafts they've had in a very, very long
0: time. Yeah, and, and it's and it's amazing. Um, you know, it just uh, I, I could not express to you how excited I was after we made the trade and we got Tevin Jenkins. When his name went scrolling uh, across the board, it's like, oh man, we got Fields and we got Tevin Jenkins. If you'd asked me what my draft board was going into this thing. Fields and Jenkins were 1 and 2. I mean it just and I got both my guys. So it just it could not have worked out any better and it seems like many bear fans across the nation agree with me about how well those first two rounds uh went. I mean it just could not have gone any better and then we move on to to day 3 and getting into the into the section of the draft where it's like you might know some of these guys, but it's like I, you know, so I concede to the experts when it comes to to day three and it seems like just about every other pick that we made for the rest of the draft was of great value like we got guys in round six that should have been there and or that should have gone in the fourth round and and things like that I think like somebody on Twitter laid out where they were on their big board and where they got picked and the Bears won every one of those picks I think except for one which is our fifth rounder Larry Baram, I think they had mm-hmm. him, like he's 168, the Bears got him at 151. So not much of a reach there, but it's like uh, Thomas Graham, uh, our the corner we got in the sixth round was like, oh, this guy's like 140 on the board, and we got him at 228. That's huge mm-hmm. value yeah. right there. And it seemed like with Daz Newsom, who I've seen you on Twitter, say you like a lot. And he, how do you pronounce the seventh rounder's first name? How do you pronounce that kid's name? Tonga? Kyrus Tonga. Tyris. So that is his first name, okay? Because it's like K H Y I R I S. It's like, is it Kai? Is it? Because he's from, he's Polynesian, so you know he mm-hmm. can't, you know, it's like there's no apostrophe in there. So okay, right. Kyrus Tonga, the nose tackle from BYU, just a, a space eater that's going to be probably our backup nose tackle uh, and things like that. Is like, here's somebody who probably should have gone in the fifth round. We got him at with, with like nine picks left in the draft. We were able to. Uh, to snatch him up. It's like day three was all about the bears getting great value out of the picks that we had left.
1: Indeed. I mean, I, I, I really liked most of what they did on day three. The only pick that I questioned, and it wasn't necessarily because of the talent, was Larry Baram mm-hmm. because a, as I reviewed Baram, I understood why they picked him because he's got upside. I mean, he, he's a big dude. He's really strong, good run blocker, and very technically sound. You might be You'd be surprised at how technically sound he is. He's very consistent. But, you know, he, he had a little bit of a weight issue. He was like 350 pounds his senior, his final year at Missouri. So there were questions about his conditioning, but apparently he showed up to workouts at like 322. So he dropped 38 pounds. So, you know, he, he was getting that fixed. And I think the Bears took notice of that. And so when he was there in the fifth, they're like, okay, you know, we already got an offensive tackle, but here's another guy who can play guard, who can also play tackle. He's very versatile. So we can beef up our line even more with somebody like that. And so they took him. The only reason I didn't care for the pick that much is because there was another guy I was hoping they'd get Jamar Johnson, the safety from Indiana. I felt he should have gone way earlier than he did. He ends up, going to Denver I think they really got themselves a a really stacked secondary out there from (laughs) from the moves they've made so you know I was hoping they'd pick him they didn't you know it is what it is but you know I'm I'm never opposed to them stockpiling offensive linemen especially when you've got a new young quarterback who's coming in and you know your focus is going to be on making him a success so in that regard I applaud the pick and I have no I have no issue with it and, you know, the sixth round, I really like what they did. You know, Graham is an underrated player. I think he would have gone sooner had he not opted out in 2020. Mm-hmm. I really think that sort of, you know, killed his stock because teams were a little bit of afraid of the lack of game tape from 2020. Daz Newsome, I think because he had a bit of a down year in 2020 compared to his 2019, that may have killed him a little bit, but I, I, I think he's a very underrated player. He was overshadowed by his teammate, Deami Brown, who went in the third So I think that sort of played into it. He's a good slot option, quick, great hands, outstanding concentration. I mean, such a knack for big plays. You love to see somebody like that. So I think he's going to, you know, be a bigger factor than people think. So I really think they got good value across the board on both sides of the ball,
0: offensively and defensively. This episode of the Bear's Talk Underground is brought to you by Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch is thrown, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is also brought to you by Kansas City Stakes. You work hard and play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for the summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their Butter Tender Filet Mignon. That does sound good. Kansas City Strips, Juicy Steak Burgers, All Beef Jumbo Hot Dogs, and even Complete Meal Combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD, KansasCitySteaks.com. Yeah, when 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 I when I, when I left it to the experts to tell me about these guys, because you know I wasn't familiar with really any of them. Um, you know, it was nothing but positive things. It's like you know, and then you're going up on, uh, you know, on Monday or on Sunday actually, because the draft ended on Saturday. On Sunday, the draft grades are coming out, and everywhere you look, it's either an A or an A plus for the Bears across the board from just about every expert who's got an opinion. Uh, out there and it's like well I guess we did awesome uh, in day three and then like I said I saw the comparisons where this is where this guy was on the board and this is where the Bears got him and like I said the Bears won that uh, comparison just pretty much with everyone except for uh, Baram and you know He got picked in the fifth round, and we all know that those picks are anointed by God as far as Ryan Pace uh, is concerned. (laughs) So we might have gotten two Hall of Fame tackles or a Hall of Fame tackle and a guard in this draft on top of the the greatest quarterback in the history of this franchise. So 2021 (laughs) might be the day that Ryan Pace got himself a golden jacket. You know what I mean?
1: So, yeah, you you really hope so. I mean, I'll settle for two good tackles at this amen, point, you know, if you, amen, if you get yeah. two good tackles and they're sort of, you know, your bookends for the years to come, I think Justin Fields is set up for success.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited. And then, you know, it it, just, it really does seem like the Bears or or Pace or whoever you want to talk to about the about the, the makeup of the team is really content on overhauling the offensive line uh because oh, yeah. we got Tevin Jenkins, we drafted Larry Barham, our undrafted free agents, uh Gage Cervenka, Gunnar Vogel from Northwestern, uh is it D- Durian Parker from uh, from Mississippi State, you know, mm-hmm. these are these are all, you know, top uh, offensive linemen that probably should uh have been drafted but we're there in the free agent market for the Bears to 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 scoop them up along with other hits in the undrafted free agent market like Mustafer and Alex Bars we got a a returning James Daniels we got Cody Whitehair uh, there it's like where we really seem to be ramping up finally pace giving some attention to the offensive line and he seems to be doing well with it like the magic that he's been using to find us corners and wide receivers he's finally using on offensive linemen and it's working for us
1: Oh, yes. I mean, that that was, a, a, you know, something that people really hammered him about, you know, in his first couple of years, he wasn't investing enough in the offensive line. He was sort of leaning on veterans like Massey, Leno and those guys. And it, it worked to an extent, especially in 2018. But over yeah. time, that can come back to bite you. And I think that kind of started to in 2020. And they didn't really have any depth. But they were fortunate that a, a couple of undrafted guys like Mustafa and Bars were ready to step up and they stepped up huge. You know, they played really well down the stretch of the season and kind of saved them you know, in that, in that few games that they were able to win and get themselves into the playoffs. So you have those guys as depth and then you bring in Jenkins and Barham and some other guys and, you know, they're really sitting pretty now, even despite cutting Leno for financial reasons as they did. So, you know, I really like what they've done on the offensive line. They've got, you know, a nice little veteran presence, but they, it's sort of a youth movement, more athleticism, more power. And so I think they're really, you know, sitting pretty from a multitude of aspects.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was, uh, you know, very happy to see um, some of the guys that we got. And I th- and I think that I read online from you that you happen to be a big fan of uh, the edge rusher, Charles Snowden, that we signed from Virginia as a free agent.
1: Oh, yes. I, I mean Talent-wise, he should have been drafted. And I do think he probably would have been drafted had he not broken his ankle at such a bad time mm-hmm. last season because it was towards the end of the season. He breaks his ankle. He's done for the year. And I think because of the lack of ability to give proper medical examinations to prospects going into the draft, yeah. that it scared a lot of teams away from him. And that's unfortunate, unfortunate for him. But it allowed the Bears to make a good impression on him during interviews and set, and they basically told him, if you happen to go undrafted, we really want want to bring you here. And they made a great impression, end up signing him, and he was number one or number two or at least top ten in terms of undrafted free agents for a lot of evaluators because when you look at him, he's six seven, long arms, athletic like a basketball player. He needs to add some weight, add some strength, but if he learns how to use all that to his advantage, he can be a really good pass rusher in the
0: future yeah i was thinking I, I read somewhere somebody said he suffered from leonard floyd disease where you know floyd <laughs> floyd was a dynamic pass rusher he had the long arms and you know and and the and the moves and he was a, a solid pass rusher in in college but he weighed about 250 soaking wet uh and he was just going to get mauled by these 320 pound uh, offensive tackles and snowden like you said he weighs about what like 240 uh, or something Two forty three, yeah. yeah 243 so he's a He's a tall linebacker is what he is uh, right now. Not so much an edge rusher, somebody who's going to be taking on these guys that are going to outweigh him somewhere in the area of 80 to 100 pounds, depending on the tackle that he's facing uh, out there. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he can use those long arms to to keep those monsters off of him and, and, and make some moves uh, to make an impression. But it's just like it, – it just seems like with the moves that we've made – in the draft with undrafted free agents, uh, you know, and then, you know, the very quiet offseason that the Bears have had because it's been overshadowed by all this quarterback talk. um, The Bears seem to be stacking up. Like, they're quietly looking like a team, and then God forbid with that Aaron Rodgers drama in Green Bay, we could could steal the division this year with, with nobody looking. I mean, there's no
1: telling what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Things seem to, you know, shift on a dime with him from, you know, week to week. So, you know, I can just as easily see him, you know, sitting at home, considering retirement or being traded to another team or returning again because he he misses playing football and he's willing to, you know, let bygones be bygones. I can see both things happening, but I do think the Bears are in a much better situation long-term than the Packers at this point, because, you know, I was never a big believer in Jordan Love. And if he's the guy for Green Bay moving forward, I think the Bears are in a much better situation with Justin Fields, in my opinion. So if Rogers happens to, you know, hit the ejection seat early, I think the Bears are in a great situation to not only compete for the division this year, but to pretty much own it for years to come if Fields ends up living up to his potential.
0: Uh, from your lips to God's ears, man, that would just be awesome. <laughs> but, I mean, let's talk about real quick this off season that the Bears had. I mean, highlighted by the moves that the Bears tried to make for the quarterback position, and then, you know, poor Andy Dalton was the, the victim of the fact that on Thursday we were talking about the offer that we made for Russell Wilson, and then on Friday we signed Andy Dalton. It was just like, mm-hmm. okay all the talk about what we were going to do, and then what we ended up doing, it landed with a thud, quite frankly. And then the <sighs> – I, I don't know the perfect word to describe it, but that QB1 tweet that they put out oh, man. was uh, just like the, <laughs> the timing on that could not have been any worse. It's just, it just seemed like an, a comedy of errors, and we're just continuing to screw up uh, this off season, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. I was banging the drum for Andy Dalton last year. Because it seemed like the Bears were hell bent on giving Trubisky one more chance, which meant competition. And I thought Dalton would have been perfect for that, and reuniting with Bill Lazor and things like that. I thought it would have been that would have been the time to go for Andy Dalton. And we go and get him a year later and pay three times what we should have, what we would have gotten away with paying him uh, last year. We go and get Nick Foles, and we saw how that worked out. But here he comes, and okay, so maybe now he'll be the the bridge quarterback between us and and Fields, and, you know, who knows where the bridge might end. It might end in week six. It might end in week 17 like it did for Mahomes, God forbid, but we'll see. Um, and then, you know, Jeremiah Atashu, he was an uh, an outside linebacker and edge rusher uh, for Denver. Um, we re-signed to Sean Gibson and Dion Bush. We quietly signed Marquise Goodwin, who opted out in 2020 uh but he's a speed guy and we need, we need a kick returner now that uh, Cordell Patterson's uh, in Atlanta I don't know if he returns kicks but who knows mm-hmm. Christian Jones comes back to Chicago I always liked him uh Elijah Wilkinson there's more depth on the offensive line uh there Damian Williams the running back from Kansas City now there's a guy who we signed and I was like oh that's interesting and then I forgot about him immediately until I was (laughs) until I was looking at our free agent signings like uh the day before yesterday I was like Damian Williams that's right He's like this kid scored like two touchdowns in the Super Bowl when the when the Chiefs beat the 49ers and now he's in our backfield I mean we've we're gonna have a very crowded back uh, running back room it's, uh going it's, it's, into it's, to training camp. We got Montgomery, Tariq Cohen's coming back, we got Williams, we got the Khalil Herbert who we drafted in the 6th round. I think we we did a, an undrafted free agent as well, CJ uh, Marable out of Coastal Carolina. Marable, right, right. I mean, there's just going to be we're going to be have running backs coming out of our ears uh going into the into training camp and then um yeah, so I mean that's that's looking uh pretty good. We signed Desmond Trufant to replace Kyle Fuller. That's, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, and then is it Dem- Demir Bird? Demir? Yeah, Demir Bird. Demir Bird, the wide receiver from uh, New England, who is our most recent, is our, our first post-draft uh, signing. So the Bears on offense, we got younger, and we got a lot faster as well. Uh-huh. Like, we're we're going to have a try to, uh, track meet out there, and uh, we got Justin Fields and Andy Dalton to try to get him the ball.
1: 100%. I mean, I – You know, having that kind of depth at running back is never a bad thing. You always like to have options, and there's a lot of versatility in that group. You know, you got Tariq Cohen with all the stuff he can do, David Montgomery. You know he's. I think he's a stud. You know he he may yeah. never be a superstar, but I think he's just a good, solid running back who can do a little bit of everything. And then you, you got Williams. He's that classic underdog who just seems to overachieve every time you give him a chance. He plays big in big games. We know that obviously, so yeah. that's a good thing. And then you've got you know Herbert, who probably should have gone sooner than he did, but because you know being a running back and all that, and and the fact he only produced for one season, I think that sort of played into it a little bit. He ran into a bit of a snag at Kansas. He redshirted because he wanted to play his senior year. But unfortunately, he ran into some classic NCAA red tape. So he had to transfer to Virginia Tech. And then he immediately dominates there. So that should tell you that he, you know, he can be dropped into a situation and produce immediately. Yeah. So he's strong, well built, powerful below the waist, and underrated speed. I mean, he's not—he, I mean, he's not a burner, but he can pull away from you if you're not paying attention. So you know, they definitely got some nice versatility in that group, and you know, they can just send guys at defenses in waves now rather than just leaning on Montgomery like they had to do last year. So that's a definitely a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to to do because we very much are kind of following a Kansas city blueprint. Now we are, we're, we've mm-hmm. got guys who can, you know, who can run fast enough to, to leave smoke trails behind them. We're going to have a loaded backfield with, with multiple guys uh, that can do multiple things with Williams and Cohen and Montgomery. I know at least those three guys are definitely making the team uh, this year. We'll see what happens with the other kids. And uh, you know, we, we got a quarterback that can throw it all over the place uh when his time comes and mm-hmm. uh you know we got his mentor who's been there and done many things uh that we want this kid to be able to do and then some uh as well not to mention the mentorship that he's going to have around him Andy mm-hmm. Dalton Nick Foles Super Bowl MVP and then on the coaching level Tom Herman from Texas. We got Henry Burris, who played for a 1,000 years in Canada. We got mm-hmm. uh, you know, Matt Nagy, obviously. We got DeFilippo Filippo, who's regarded as one of the best quarterback coaches in football, period, and Bill mm-hmm. Lazor on top of that. None of those guys were really there for Mitch at the beginning, and they're all here now to really kind of overwhelm Justin Fields, God forbid, with knowledge and experience and what these guys know and can teach him. Absolutely.
1: I mean the the structure is so much better this time around than it was back in 2017. I mean, this this is why I wanted the Bears to fire John Fox in 2017. Not because I felt he was a horrible coach, but because I I felt he wasn't the right coach for a young quarterback because he had never drafted or developed one in his entire career. He was yeah. a defensive guy. He was good at, you know, elevating veterans and other positions. But I knew the Bears were going to draft a quarterback. Everything was pointing in that direction. So if you were going to do that, it's probably best to start fresh with a guy who knows how to develop them. And I really wanted them to hire Kyle Shanahan. I felt he was ready. He was coming off a great year in 2016 with the Falcons. I felt he would have been perfect for that. And unfortunately, they decided to stay put with Fox, and, you know, we saw what happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, Poor Jordan Howard. You know, we just... (laughs) We just ran the wheels off that kid in 2017, Mm -hmm. man. It's just like we're facing eight-man fronts because they were just daring us to throw the football. And we just – we had no money for him to throw the football to as well as as good an arm as Mitch had. Accuracy obviously was one issue, but just having no one on earth to throw the football to uh, was also a a bigger problem than his accuracy uh, uh, back then. So, yeah, 2017 was just a frustrating year. Beyond words, man. I mean, I. Mm-hmm. where did Loggins and Fox lost me was during 2017 when these guys tried to tell us as fans that they sent their personnel out after they saw who the defense had sent out there. And mm-hmm. everybody on earth who knows anything about football knows the defense sends their personnel out when they see whose offense is out there. So you're gonna send offensive personnel out there because you see who defense is, and the defense is gonna reshuffle that and send somebody else out there. You idiots, what is wrong with you? And yeah. guessing wrong on on what plays to call and just the the misuse of the personnel that they did have uh back then. I was so glad to see them go uh at the end of the year. Logins especially. That what what a disaster that guy was. And still he's got a job somewhere. He's a mm-hmm. like assistant head coach in Miami. I don't know how, but Um, he does, but, um, you know, real quick, let's talk about some of the guys that we lost and, you know, Kyle Fuller being on the top of, of that list and, and why I don't like this one at all. Number one is because we're losing a good player. And number two, it's not because his production or his productivity or anything has gone down. We let him go for salary cap reasons. And that really, Eric pisses me off because it just, it's got nothing to do with football. Nothing at all to do with football, and we gave away one of the top corners in the league because the Bears backed themselves into a corner reshuffling salaries and whatnot, making his uh, cap number too high for us to absorb this year.
1: And listen, I understand the frustration. It's perfectly valid. I mean, you never like losing a player who's still playing like a prime cornerback like Kyle Fuller. I mean, releasing him was a body blow. It really was. Yeah. You you never like to lose a guy like that. At the same time, I try to make sure to be fair in saying that this wouldn't have happened if the pandemic hadn't happened. Because the pandemic caused the financial issues with the league for the salary cap to drop. And the Bears had no way of seeing that coming. There's no way they could have seen that coming. So Ryan Pace got caught in something that he had absolutely no control over. If the pandemic hadn't happened, there's no way Fuller's getting cut. There's just (laughs) no way. So he had to make the best of a really crappy situation. Mm-hmm. Who can I who do I have a better chance to replace this year? Is it Akeem Hicks or is it Kyle Fuller? Because they would have, you know, brought the best salary cap relief. And I think he felt that he had a better shot to replace a cornerback than a than a defensive lineman this year given what was available both in free agency and the draft. And I agree because the the number of veteran corners available and corners in the draft, there was a deeper talent pool to pick from than defensive linemen. So I think he actually ended up making the right call, even though it was undoubtedly a
0: tough call. And I agree with you. Uh, The pandemic, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. And probably a lot of people didn't, to be honest with you. Um, You know, that was an unforeseen thing that, the salary cap was supposed to go up and instead it dropped like what 18 million or something like yeah. that from you know what it was supposed to be to what it ended up uh being and that's where we could have absorbed uh his contract uh and everything but it's just like you never you just never like to see a guy go because you know we can't afford him or that sure. Or the, the deal that we assigned him to that everybody agreed upon four years ago all of a sudden was now too expensive, uh, and we got to let him go. So it was like that's what upset me more than anything, was like we didn't let him go because, uh, you know, it wasn't the Kyle Fuller we tried to get rid of back in 2017 uh, right. and everything. This is the Kyle Fuller that's been to a couple of Pro Bowls and has earned his status as a first-round uh, pick or lived up to it uh, anyway. And, uh, you know, now he's in Denver. Where they're going to have a murderer's role of a secondary out there uh-huh. uh, for the Broncos, and then adding Pat Sertan to that is it's like it's an it's an embarrassment of riches that Fangio's got to work with uh, in the oh, secondary. Oh, I'm sure he's happy. There. Yeah. So, and then other other key losses: Roy Robertson, Harris, he goes to Jacksonville. Um, uh, John Jenkins goes to Miami. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, who who worked out better for us than I thought he would when the Bears yeah. uh, signed him last year. Brent Urban, I really liked him. I was sad to see him yeah. go. And uh, Cordell Patterson, we talked about a moment ago, uh, heading to Atlanta. And then Charles Leno, Buster Screen were the cuts that we ended up uh, getting rid of. And then finally, the coup de grace, one that I actually wept tears of joy, Rashad Coward. He is, <laughs> he's is he gone. He's in Pittsburgh. Eric, if it was legal to kill somebody, he'd be dead, okay? Because I would have found him myself, and put him out of his misery because I – oh, God damn, I hated Rashad Coward. Oh, God, I just – you know, I was rooting for him when he made the switch from defensive tackle to offensive line. He showed some good things in the preseason, and then when we put him out there, he's been nothing but a problem uh, for the Bears. And and last year he just got worse as the year went along, and it's just like, does he have pictures of Ryan Pace with a farm animal or something? Why mm. is he still out there? Why is he still out there? I mean, it's so glaringly obvious he's the biggest problem out there. I mean, especially after when Daniels went down in the Tampa Bay game and Alex Barr comes out and plays really, really well for the rest of that football game. And then the following week against Carolina, it's. Coward that's out there instead of Alex Bars and we're downhill from there mm-hmm. you know like I never quite got it and it's just like I was begging pleading on my show to get rid of Rashad Coward put him back on the bench put Alex Bars out there anybody not name Rashad Coward please and it just didn't happen until after the bye week and then we saw our offensive line production dramatically improve when we did that strangely yes. enough, so yeah yeah, I I was very happy to hear that he somehow <laughs> fooled the Steelers into stealing into signing him, and he is now somebody else's problem. Thank God.
1: So. And I totally get it. I mean, I, I watched the I watched the tape too, and he he really struggled last year. I mean, he 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 seemed fine in 2019. He wasn't great, right. but at least he seemed serviceable. Right. But something yeah. I I think he didn't he didn't take to the coaching of Juan Castillo as well as he did Harry Heastand. I think that might have played a part in things. And also the fact he was being shuffled back and forth between different positions. Yeah. I think his head started to swim a little bit. He was getting caught up in his own mind and it was showing in how he played. There was a lack of discipline. He wasn't executing his fundamentals properly and it just sort of spiraled on him and He and he really started to struggle. And unfortunately the Bears were too caught up in all the injuries on the offensive line to realize that he was a problem until the bye week when they had a chance to st- when they had a chance to you know take stock, evaluate, and realize okay this guy's a problem we got to get him out of there let's get somebody in they reshuffled got Mustafer at center bars at right guard. Things settled down and they sort of finished out the season strong. So, you know, it was just a conflagration of circumstances. And you know, I hope he ends up doing a bit better in Pittsburgh. But it's best that you know we moved on from that.
0: Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. So, uh, despite my my uh, my uh, my death threats and things like that, I do wish him well in in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. I, I don't wish ill on 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 anybody. So. Uh, I sure. even wish Mitch well in, in, in Buffalo and uh, you know, he's uh, even though he's had two different numbers out there already, Yeah, he was number eight and now he's, he's, he's number 10 again. I don't know how that happened, but he is, he got his number back uh, in Buffalo, <laughs> but um, real quick about Rashad cow. Well, actually just about the bears in general last year. I mean, cause I mm-hmm. read a lot of your stuff. I really enjoy what you do and um, week was it week 10, I think. The Detroit game, the second one, Mm -hmm. you and I and everyone else on the planet thought for sure Monday morning there's going to be a press conference that Pace and Nagy were gone Mm -hmm. after the Bears blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter uh, to the Lions at home in a game that we had in hand. We were winning this football game. The offense is rolling. We've scored 30 points. We've got Cole Komet involved. He scored a touchdown. We're doing things. Now, our, our defense has given us trouble, and Stafford kind of carved them up uh, in that mm-hmm. football game. It was kind of the, the, the way that the defense spiraled there at the end of the season. But we had a 10-point lead with like four minutes to go in the game, and we blew it, doing some of the things that – we weren't doing when we were being successful, rolling Mitch out, not having him doing any deep drops and things like that. And not only did we drop him back uh, into, you know, to pass uh, in the pocket, uh, we did it in our own end zone, basically, and it ended up hurting us massively uh, there mm-hmm. in that football game. I thought for sure, for sure, they were fired after that game. It was like, sure. that was loss number six in a row in a game we should have won. And, You know, I I think you were you were talking about that as well. It's just like it you know, how did that not happen and then here we are all these months later, it turns out to be a stroke of genius that McCaskey held firm and let those guys finish out the string.
1: I mean, having patience can, you know, be very valuable at times, you know. It would have been very easy to pull the trigger, but you know, the McCaskies have already always had a history of if we're gonna make a move, we're not gonna do it until the end of the season. So even though I wouldn't have been surprised if Nagy and Pace had been fired, I also wasn't surprised that they weren't because that's been the MO of the McCaskey family yeah. since they took over for Hallett. So, you know, that part didn't, you know, really shock me. And then they beat, you know, Houston like a drum. So it's okay. like, okay, they're going to finish out the year. So I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to be thinking about that anymore. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, okay, when the season is over, they make the playoffs. So I was kind of 50-50 on what they do. You know, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they were kept, but I was kind of expecting them to be fired just because, you know, it was such a disappointing finish, losing, you know, in in ugly fashion to Green Bay and then losing in ugly fashion to New Orleans. So it's like, okay, we made the playoffs, but we got beat like a drum by two actual good teams. So where exactly are we? And so, you know, in the end – He trusted Pace and Nagy that, okay, they realize what the problem is and they're going to go out and fix it. And I'm going to let them go out and fix it. You're going to have to trust me on this. And a lot of people didn't. A lot of people don't trust McCaskey for obvious reasons. He's never been a football guy. So it's like, how can we trust you considering, you know, where this team has been for the past several years. But at the end of the day, he 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 pinpointed his guys and t- and basically told them fix it. Yeah, and they and they went out and like okay, we need we need a quarterback. That's our focus. We've got to find a way to fix the quarterback position. And you go out and get Andy Dalton, former three time Pro Bowler, solid football player, nothing remarkable, but you know insurance in case they can't make a bigger move. And then we all saw what happened on draft day. They go get Justin Fields, outstanding talent, all the potential in the world. They're going to develop them. They're going to make him tr- do everything in their power to make him a success. So I think all, all things considered this off season can be called a success in terms of what they were trying to do with their plan. Yeah. And I think they've got a good plan moving forward.
0: Let me ask you something. You, you mentioned when we talked about Kyle Fuller, how if the pandemic didn't happen that, you know, he'd most likely still be on the team. Do you think the pandemic had anything to do with them bringing pace and Nagy back? Because, They have time left on their contract, and they still have to pay them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, do you think the pandemic had anything to do with the fact that they didn't want to have to pay two general managers and two head coaches going into this season? I think that's a viable argument. I I do think that could have played
1: something into it, but I don't think it was the biggest selling point for the decision. I do believe McCaskey did it because he believes in Pace and Nagy, and that was the driving force of his decision. But I do think – like a minuscule percentage, also was I prefer not to pay two head coaches, two general managers if I can avoid it. So, if he really wanted them gone, they'd have been gone. Yeah. And that would have been the end of it. If it had been like the, you know, the Trestman and Emery situation back in 2014, yeah. they'd have been gone regardless of the money situation. But because he liked both guys, it's like, okay. I can sell, I can deal with the backlash that we're pro- inevitably going to get from you know the fans from the media, and just let this play out and see if we can get people back on board. And clearly,
0: they have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's definitely happened. And then, real quick, before I let you go, um, that Lions game—that was where that was my breaking point. Right mm-hmm. there. That's where I wanted everybody gone. Uh, let's just blow this thing up for the last six games or whatever it was, and and I'll tell you why. I'm sure you remember that game. We come Mm -hmm. out early on, we're giving the ball to David Montgomery, and it is just apparent this kid is running on another gear today. He is is running on something that nobody else on the field seems to have. The first guy can't tackle him. Every time he touches the ball, he's getting eight yards of carry. He's a savage out there today. Two problems. Number one, we kept rotating him out and putting Cordell Patterson in there, who, in his defense, was running the football well, but we were giving carries to Patterson that we should have left Montgomery out there, not Mm -hmm. giving him a chance. They have, like, no sense for staying with the hot guy uh, kind of thing. And then it's just – then we fast forward to Monday. And on Monday, I'm reading articles, I'm listening to podcasts, and all the way from me – the fat guy on the couch from me to you to uh, uh, my good friend, Lauren Cox from locked on bears, Hogan Johns, all the way to Olin Krutz, Alex Brown's and uh, Alex Brown and, and, and Lance Briggs on the after show with Dan, with Dave Kaplan, all of us asking the same question. Number one, why didn't they give the ball to Montgomery more? Why did they keep taking him out of the game? Why do we do this and why do do that? And I was so pissed off eric more so on monday than i was on sunday losing the game because if it is so obvious to so many people at these varying levels from me just the pedestrian with his own podcast all the way up to the former all pro who's got skin in the game it's so obvious to everyone how the hell is Nagy and company missing it the way that they are you know or ignoring it which would even be worse Mm -hmm. you know it's like that's where the disconnect was for me and that's where it was just like at all costs I want these guys gone cuz they obviously don't get it. I mean just that was my my favorite example of the season was like everybody everybody from me the fan all the way up to the professionals, the former all pros uh who know what to look for and everything, we all agreed on what went wrong yesterday and what we should have done to fix it and our head coach who was there in the midst of all of it it was oblivious to him and that was where I was like I'm I'm done. I'm done. This guy's got to go. He's got to go. Right. So I mean, you
1: know, the, I think Nagy is a good leader. Yes, I, do. I, I do. I think he's got I that part that. of the job down. And For I sure. think there's other aspects of the head coaching job he also does well. My biggest concern with him has always been personnel usage mm-hmm. and being able to understand who has the hot hand, who you should play and who you should not play, Given in, in given situations, he's always had that problem in my estimation, putting in running backs who have no business being on the field, putting in wide receivers who have no business being on the field, putting certain offensive linemen in who clearly aren't getting the job done. His knack for understanding his personnel in uh, during games has always been an issue for me, and I think he's still trying to learn how to handle something like that. And I'm really hoping he's getting better because that's something he's going to need to be able to grasp if they want to take it to the next level in terms of going after a Super Bowl. So I'm really hoping he improves as the season goes on and as further seasons go on, if he ends up keeping his job.
0: Yeah, me too. My fingers uh, are crossed, but for now, Faith restored in in the the powers that be uh, for the Bears because we've somehow turned this thing around from as deep and as dark as it could be to to bright and sunny uh, where it is now. You know, and it just uh, mm-hmm. everybody's looking forward to uh, you know whatever we can get out of the OTAs and workouts to uh, especially training camp. I mean, if any fans are allowed at uh, Hallis Hall uh, this year for, for training camp, they're going to have to turn people away, Oh, um, yeah. you know, to, to get a first glimpse of, uh, Justin Fields and, and what this team has to offer, uh, this year. And then God forbid, if we're at full capacity when preseason comes, yes, yeah, they're going to break the, I think the, like Mitch's debut set a preseason record. It's going to be shattered mm-hmm. when Justin Fields yeah. plays week one of the preseason so oh, uh, for sure i'm looking forward to that very very much so um uh yeah it's uh it's uh th- good times are here again knock on wood uh eric lambert thanks so much uh for for uh for coming back man I, I really appreciate it i had a lot of fun talking to you thanks for helping me uh you know get through the the draft review because I, like i said the day three guys I don't know him by name. I just like I just know what the I can see to the experts when it comes to uh, to those guys. So so thanks for helping me out and uh, let everybody know where we can uh, reach your content, where we can follow you online.
1: You can follow me at Eric Lambert One on Twitter. I'm on there all the time, and you can find all my content there too.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome! Eric Lambert, sports mockery, or excuse me, sportsmockery dot com. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Pleasure. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Eric Lambert, for, for joining us. Uh, really great conversation. I uh, had a great time uh, talking to him. We covered uh, a lot, and I appreciate him giving up uh, a little over an hour uh, on his uh, Friday to, uh, to help us uh, do this uh, review, and uh, kind of getting back into the swing of things. I'm having fun. The Club 34-7 shows, I'm having fun with those every Wednesday on the Locker Room app, 7pm Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. For those of you who aren't sick of me reminding you about it yet, uh, the one on Wednesday... It's, you know, 7 o'clock on Wednesday is the same time that the NFL schedule drops. So it'll basically be a live schedule release show uh, for those that want to join in uh, on that. Really looking forward to seeing what the path of 2021 is going to look like for the Bears. I mean, a lot of speculation uh, about this schedule as far as, like, you know, where the bye week is. Can we possibly sneak Justin Fields in? Like, if if we get a week eight or a week nine bye week, how tough is the schedule up? Up to that point, will we be begging for Justin Fields to be on the field uh, at that point, or do we have a good chance to be in a, in a winning position to to not have to push Justin Fields out there? And I think. You know, I know I want to see Justin Fields play. I want to see him play now, but the best thing is probably for him to sit back and learn uh, for a little while. Don't want to rush it like we had to do with Mitch uh, back in 2017 uh, or anything like that. So I'm very interested to see how the schedule is going to lay out, where the bye week ends up being, what the road before the bye week looks like and so on and so forth, seeing where it is that maybe Justin Fields might be able to find himself on the field for one reason – uh, or another but um yeah, so be sure to join me uh, on Wednesday for the uh, schedule release, and then, you know, probably take a, a week or two off outside of the Club 34-7 shows before we start cranking out those opponent previews. I am bringing that back uh, this year. You know, we didn't do it last year, and as I told you guys, I just I just didn't know if there was going to be a football season. I didn't know if we were going to start on time, and I didn't want to spend all that time doing all that work, getting excited about 2020 And then not have it happen. So, you know, that's not going to be a problem. The NFL fought its way through the pandemic, and here we are on the other side. We're still not clear completely of the pandemic yet, but. They're starting to, you know, they're like, I think we're at 25% capacity for baseball games, basketball games, hockey games, and such. Who knows where we could be five months from now when the NFL season uh, kicks off. There could be a uh, capacity crowd at Soldier Field for whenever the Bears take the field for the first time, especially in the preseason. Uh, Whenever that first preseason home game is, pretty sure it's going to be a sellout to get their first glimpse uh, of Justin Fields and the new look. Uh, Chicago Bears so uh, we'll learn the preseason schedule and the 2021 regular season schedule uh, on Wednesday and like I said we are bringing back the opponent previews we got that extra game the 17th game which will be our the same place opponent will be the Raiders from the AFC West so that means your boy Q from Locked On Raiders will be joining us once again and, and all and I just like I said this is one of my even though this is the worst time of year as far as being a fan as a podcaster, it's actually one of my favorite times of year because I get to new, either get to meet or renew these friendships with all these people that I've gotten to meet from the various opponents that we have. Of course, you know we have our old standards. You know Evan Western for the from Acme Packing Company, Jeremy Reisman from uh, from uh, from the Good God Detroit from oh what is it called now i can't believe i'm not remembering this but uh pride of detroit there it is pride of detroit and uh, the daily norseman with chris gates uh, we get to have our old friends back and uh we got the nfc west and the afc north so those would be some interesting shows as well as long uh, also along with uh, our old friend Ren Dax from the Pewtercast because we get to play the Buccaneers again. And the New York Giants, our other same place opponent, because despite them being like 4-11, and 11, they finished in second place uh, in the NFC East uh, this year. So uh, that will be uh, interesting. So uh, anyway, lots ahead of us. The club 347 shows each and every week, and basically those shows are about whatever you want them uh, to be about. So you come in, you got an idea, topic for conversation, come on in, and then uh, we'll 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 chew the fat on that and see where we can go uh, with it. And uh, like I said, the opponent previews are coming at the end of May, beginning of June to kind of fill that void between now and whenever priest and whenever training camp starts and into uh the preseason and then of course you know we're off and running uh at that point so um anyway that is going to do it for this episode again thanks so much again uh to uh eric lambert for joining us today and uh see you on wednesday for club 34 7 and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bear's talk underground